Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? Going well. You make it back from Disney World okay? I did. I did. We had a very nice long weekend. Yes, and probably after this week in the SBC, you, you probably want to go back to Disney World. Well, it, I we had have a busy to week. tell you. We had a busy week. It, it has, and you know, here's the nice thing about Disney World. When you're there, you you have so many decisions you have to make in the moment. Where are we going to eat? Which ride should we go stand in line for? Which place? You, we've got, you know, two kids and where are we going to go first? For whom? You know, and there's just only so much space in your brain. So all the kind of craziness, um, new big picture news and then things going on in the SBC, you just you can't focus on it. So you get a little bit of a break. And uh, came back, started the week, and, and my goodness, this is this is a week full of news. Yes, there's so much to talk about this week. We have a ton. Before we do that, we do want to thank our sponsor once again, located in Louisville, Kentucky. The Southern Baptist Theological Seminary is committed to training future pastors, missionaries, and gospel leaders. You can learn more about the undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral degree programs at Southern by visiting sbts.ed. You once again, that's sbts.edu. All right, Amy, big news. Uh, we we've been hearing rumors about this for a while. David Platt has announced this week that he will transition out of the presidency of the International Mission Board. Yes, that news dropped on Monday. Um, we've got the Baptist Press story on here, uh, but also. There was a release at the IMB website uh, that shared some, you know, answers to questions about it. And essentially uh, what it says is that it, now this isn't an immediate resignation. This was a, um, a time of asking the trustees to begin the search for a successor. And uh, the intention is for him to continue until that successor is named. So there you know, will we'll be one transition, basically. There was just a lot of focus on sort of momentum that's been built, continuing the uh, the work that the leaders at the IMB have done over the last few years. Uh, but it certainly is opening the door to kind of uh, the next step, the next era in the history of the IMB. Yes, it is. And the, uh, the kind of the next step that you mentioned is uh, appointing a search committee. That will be done by the trustee chairman, Rick Dunbar, who's a, uh, a doctor and member of First Baptist Church in Madison, Mississippi. So Dunbar will appoint that group of trustees to uh, to serve as the presidential search committee. I, I would expect an announcement on that either before or at the uh, trustee meeting that is taking place in about a week and a half uh, later in the month in February 26, 27, 28th as the trustee meeting for IMB. So uh, we might get an announcement. I, I expect there would be an announcement then maybe uh, of that search committee. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that one. But yeah, that was massive news this week, uh, so much so that it, it kind of crashed our website, Amy. So I had to had to upgrade the hosting. Yeah, talk about that. Our web, yeah. yeah, our website sh- shut down for a little while. Yeah, yeah, I was down for about 90 minutes. I had to go and upgrade the hosting because uh, so much interest, obviously, in the story that it just absolutely crushed our server. And uh, we, we had to kind of upgrade, get some more resources to handle the uh, the load that was put on it by this announcement. So uh, everybody uh, talking about this in the SBC, 
Uh, and uh, speaking of talking about things, everybody talking about it, the CBF, uh, the, the splinter group that formed after the conservative resurgence in the early 90s, uh, this Cooperative Baptist Fellowship announced last week that they are changing their hiring ban for LGBT members, uh, allowing them to serve in staff positions at the headquarters, but not as leader or in leadership positions or missionary roles. And uh, the the news of David Platt and the SBC, uh, the, the the enormity of it in the SBC was was met by the enormity of this news in the CBF, uh, and it, it affects the Southern Baptist Convention too, Amy. One thing that is kind of key or of interest to us would be uh, what's happening in Texas. Yes. So the Baptist General Convention of Texas has connections to both uh, the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship and the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, why don't you explain sort of how they're how they're linked? Well, they allow you to give cooperative program funds through the BGCT, and you can designate those to go to the SBC or the BGCT or the CBF, like the the chunk that comes out of uh, after the state takes their Correct. part. You, you have three different pathways there. Now, the Texas Baptist Convention did release a statement saying that next week they will release uh, kind of more information. Uh, they're they're kind of getting together and talking about this in light of this because, uh, you know, we talked about it on the podcast before. They have been disfellowshipping churches who had affirmed the LGBT, uh, you know, affirmed LBGT members or pastors in the past. So, you know, with the CBF affirming those as potential employees and the CBF uh, funds that they're getting from the CP from the BGCT. There's a lot of an- acronyms in there, Amy. Uh, <laughs> the, you know, there's there's yes. that, that fiduciary uh, responsibility that they have to their churches uh, to not fund, you know, pro LGBT causes. So uh, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens here with this in the next week or so. Yes, yeah, so definitely of interest just because of that that link, and then certainly you know because of our history um, and and how this began this is something that we continue to watch with interest maybe in a different way than than just uh, any other uh, denomination but uh, certainly we've waited to to see what was going to come of this project and here we are and I think this is going to continue to develop yeah and we, we got a couple of other states kind of to watch on the state level there's a lot of duly associated churches you know and, and those churches will make up their in, their individual minds, I guess you could say, about what they will do and how they will affiliate in the future. But uh, the Kentucky Baptist Convention, remember, they passed a a, a a resolution or a motion, I guess, to to keep an eye on this in the event that they did uh, become LGBT affirming in the CBF. And uh, that was this past fall. So we'll have to see what their fallout will be after this, uh, you know, is if it's approved in June at the CBF annual meeting. Uh, which ironically, Amy is in Dallas, right across town from where we will be. Uh, but you also have the BGAV over in Virginia, uh, a little bit more liberal leaning than the right. BGCT and the others. So, uh, three major state conventions that that kind of have talked about this and are involved in this, and we expect to have something soon, I think, from the BGCT. So we'll keep an eye on it. We've got a couple of links in the post: right. uh, one from Baptist Press, one from Baptist News Global, and then another one about the specific. Uh, the Texas Baptist uh, angle there. All right, so Amy, before we get to the rest of the news, we have an update from last week. We talked to our lead story last week was Rachel Denhollander and her uh, request of Sovereign Grace Ministries uh, to look into uh, the allegations and to to provide explanations. Sovereign Grace did provide a response this week. 
They did. They released this on uh, Tuesday, a rather lengthy response uh, to that sort of call from uh, Rachel Den Hollander. In some ways, they really spoke to the issues in question more extensively than they ever have. Uh, so it got quite a bit of interest. From what I have been able to see, it, it doesn't seem to have changed um, the conversation or, or made much progress, I would say. I mean, I think that people who had a position on this seem to still have that same position. Um, so I think that that's, that whole discussion, it continues to be in development. Yes, it does. And we'll kind of keep an eye on this. Uh, like you said, it, it, nothing really changed. I don't think this week the, the response came out, but uh, the discussion continues and we will continue to watch that. All right. Got some good news from the SBC Pastors Conference, Amy. We have a lineup of preachers for the SBC Pastors Conference. Yes. So H.P. Uh, Charles, president of the Pastors Conference, he released this on his website. Really, really great lineup. So the, the theme is Fulfill Your Ministry, uh, pulling that from 2 Timothy 4, 5. And uh, the, it says that the goal is to challenge and encourage pastors and church leaders to be faithful to the calling to serve the Lord in local church ministry. A uh, great lineup of speakers. Brian Carter from Dallas, Texas. Charlie Dates, that name may be familiar to, to some from Chicago. Jack Graham. Uh, Preston Wood, J.D. Greer from Summit Church, uh, Tony Evans from Dallas, James Merritt at uh, Cross Point in Georgia, Ray Pritchard from Keep Believing Ministries in Dallas, Juan Sanchez, uh, who's a pastor in Austin, Robert Smith uh, from Beeson Divinity School, Cameron Triggs uh, from Orlando, and Davin Watkins from uh, First Baptist Pelham, Alabama. Okay, so I know who I am going to make sure I'm in the room to hear, but I want to know who you would say on that list. I think yours is going to be Robert Smith? Yes. Yes, okay. Um, let's yes. see, I, I honestly, I, I haven't heard all of these guys preach. But everyone mm -hmm. I've heard preach, I'm like a huge fan of. I love listening to Dr. Merritt, Ray Pritchard. Uh, I've hung out with him a couple of times. He's amazing. Juan Sanchez, Robert Smith, heard both of them preach. Uh, Jack Graham, J.D. Greer, Tony Evans. I mean, this this is one of the strongest lists I, we've had. I mean, like every year we kind of say that. You know, it's like, wow, this is – Yeah. I mean, what a great list. And I think, Amy, I, I'm going to go out on a limb. This is the most diverse group we've ever had, both probably like so racially and just kind of uh, across the board theologically spectrum. I mean, it's it's everything. So I mean, it's Me you know methods or, or styles yeah. in, in churches. You've got a little age, bit of everything, age range, everything. Yeah, I think you're right about I that. Mean, last year, I'm let's let's remember, last year was very diverse and you know kind of geographically and as well as you know racially and stuff. But we only have five Anglo speakers in this whole list i mean it's yeah it's very diverse and i love it i think it's fantastic i think people are going to really enjoy this yes well so you mentioned i'm i'm most excited to hear robert smith uh he's on faculty at Beeson. used to be on faculty at southern seminary um years ago and was still doing some things when i worked there um and would come around and is one of the most humble men I have ever met um, in my life. And it is just an honor to be uh, even 
in the same room just to be around him. And so I'm very excited. He teaches preaching and is known for that. He's got just incredible story. Um, and so I, I want to make sure I'm in the room. Yep. So I, I'm looking forward to this. A lot of first timers as well. One of the big uh, things that people had noticed over the years is, you know, we're kind of recycling people on the pastor's conference. And I, I think, I know that Dr. Merritt, Tony Evans, J.D. Greer, Jack Graham, I know they preached before for the pastor's conference, but I think everybody else may be new. I don't know if Robert Smith has preached before. It's possible, but I don't know if yeah. anybody else has ever ever been on the, the docket here. So we've got a few that are kind of the, the oldie goldies and, and you know, they've been there before. And then we've got several new faces on here. So very, very good. Did Did you just say oldie goldies? I did. I, I'm going to have to edit that out or what? I've never heard that before. What? Oh, come on. Oldie goldies. All right. Anyway, moving on. All right. So great job, HB. Um, We look forward to more information about that. Wait, wait, wait. There's one more. There's going to be a special guest speaker. That's right. That's right. I I completely missed that. Yes. Yes. Pastor of First Baptist Sutherland Springs, where the the shooting was this past year. Um, He lost his daughter in that. And uh, so he's going to share. Um, a testimony. So that will be a very incredible moment as well. Um, worship by Joe Pace and the choir from Shiloh Church, uh, where H.B. Charles is pastor. So it's uh, it's going to be a really, really good couple of days. Yep. Looking forward to that. There's some other SBC news this week. Uh, Dr. Gaines, the current president of the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, had a, uh, a kind of a Q&A time down with the uh, Baptist State Paper Editors, as well as the State Convention Execs down in Galveston, Texas, at their annual meeting uh, this past week. There's a, a quick little write-up from Lonnie Wilkie about that uh, over at the Babylon Reflector that got picked up at Baptist Press, so we're linking to that. Good job by Lonnie and the folks over at the Baptist Reflector. We talked about the, uh, the, the SBC Baptist State Paper Editors last week, Amy, kind of a little tip uh, of the cap to them. We appreciate, again, everything that they do. They had a great meeting this past week. We had some friends that were down there uh, as well that kind of sitting on some panels talking about some different things. So I uh, got the full recap uh, from a couple of friends this past week as well. So uh, a great meeting they had down there. Uh, probably we'll see a few of them next week at the executive committee meeting. So uh, that'll be fun mm-hmm. here in Nashville. Amy, you're not, I know you're not going to make it to it, but I will be there live tweeting. Excellent. I wonder if Baptist Press will be there live tweeting as well. They did last time as well. So Follow along on Twitter to find out everything going on at the executive committee. Amy, some more. You mentioned the um, Amy. You mentioned the Sutherland Springs shooting. We had another mass shooting this past week, just heartbreaking down in Florida at a high school. Uh, just a terrible, terrible incident. And uh, Florida Baptists are actually there, involved, and unfortunately uh, suffered some losses as well. Church of the Glades is about uh, is about ten minutes from the school. We've got a, a Baptist press story uh, that they, I think someone at the Florida Baptist Convention covered, and uh, it just mentions that that church is close to the high school, and actually one family in the church did uh, lose a member, uh, did lose someone there. Also, uh, Park Ridge Church in Coral Springs is very close to where the suspect was taken into custody. A lot of um, a lot of high school employees and students are part of the church family. Church of the Glades also has, they have one family had a, a fatality, um, or a few, a, sorry, a few families 
suffered fatality. One family uh, has a, a son that's gravely injured. So there are some of our churches down there that are dealing with this loss in sort of a profound uh, direct way. Obviously, the whole state of Florida is is just hurting and struggling right now and the school system down there. Uh, and, and as we watch this, it's, it's very difficult. But uh, one question I had as we were getting ready to record uh, today was wonder if there were churches, which churches were affected. And this, this story does give that connection. So we, we pray for all that uh, were involved in that and we'll continue to do that. All right. Uh, we got a couple of legal updates, Amy. Uh, FEMA, I know we talked about this on the podcast. There was debates on whether churches could apply for FEMA funds. Now the laws have changed uh, that disaster-stricken churches can apply for FEMA funds after disasters such as hurricanes and tornadoes. And uh, that was passed on February the 9th. So uh, that was part of the latest budget bill. And uh, so that, that's kind of good news, I guess, for churches. Uh, that they can get FEMA reimbursement yeah. for uh, for disaster relief. And then also, this is uh, something that we kind of chatted about uh, earlier today, and I had not heard about this, but we're, there's a kind of a new battle in the religious liberty area. Uh, you know, we, we've talked about the, it's most of the time it's been involving cakes or flowers, you know, florists, bakers, those kind of things for weddings. But now we have one involving a t-shirt maker, Amy. Yeah, so this is a story out of Lexington, Kentucky. It just caught my eye. Um, Art Tolston and the staff at Kentucky Today, you know, put this together. And it's a case of a uh, of a t-shirt company that refused to print some t-shirts in 2012 or for a gay pride festival. So uh, there was an order that was brought to to make some shirts to go with that, uh, to, to, to make some shirts for Lexington's Gay and Lesbian Services Organization. And they uh, refused to make them because of a uh, violation of religious beliefs. And now, um, as I think many would expect, uh, they've been charged by, they've been charged by the Urban County, uh, sorry, they've been charged by the County's Human Rights Commission with violating the city's fairness ordinance. So this is a little bit different. You know, most of the time we see these cases being connected with the wedding industry, but now this kind of takes things uh, to a, a new level. Yeah, and we'll kind of keep an eye on this one as we always do. But, uh, you know, like you mentioned, wedding industry, not quite the same as, you know, a festival or something like that. So it would be interesting to see how the religious exemption and uh, conscious objection plays out in this case. The ERLC and the Kentucky Baptist Convention both filed a friend of the court briefs in this. So we not only are watching this, but we actually do have some involvement in it because how this case ends uh, certainly will have an impact on many. It certainly will. All right, we have a couple of trustee updates. First, over to NAM. They had a trustee meeting last week, and we kind of talked about it on the pod. Didn't have the information from that, but Send Puerto Rico uh, is a new thing. Uh, they've taken the, the Send Cities Initiative for church planning, and uh, they have uh, committed to Puerto Rico as it's uh, kind of still recovering from Hurricane Maria uh, that hit it this past September. 
but uh, Send Relief has been working there as well. And now uh, we're going to have a Send Puerto Rico kind of uh, church planning emphasis, uh, a Spanish Hispanic church planning emphasis. The last church planning movement in Puerto Rico was 50 years ago. And uh, it, it really hasn't seen this kind of emphasis. So uh, NAM has made Puerto Rico its latest SEND initiative. And uh, Carlos Rodriguez will spearhead that for NAM. So that that's a kind of exciting to see Southern Baptists pushing into that, uh, you know, not just a SEND initiative, but a multilingual, multi-ethnic kind of uh, emphasis there, Amy. Yeah, that's really exciting. And uh, and it's great to see, as Send Relief has been very involved, it's great to see church planting and evangelism uh, just getting that kind of focus. All right, some more updates from uh, the trustee meeting of NAM. Uh, Matthew Smith reported that the year-to-date revenue is ahead of budget and spending is below budget. I, I know you're not good at math, Amy, but you know that is a good thing when your, your revenue is up and yes. your spending is down. Uh, I do know that. Yes, you know that much. All right. And then also uh, one other highlight, uh, they're working to raise $1 to $1.5 million to help First Baptist Sutherland Springs, who we mentioned earlier, letting churches know that they can donate if they would like. If they said that if you can get 1,500 churches to give $1,000 each, that'd be the $1.5 million. The SBC family can uh, be a part of this, rebuilding this church and helping them get back on their way. And also updated that, uh, as we had mentioned here on the podcast uh, earlier in 2017, the $59.6 million Annie Armstrong Easter offering for North American missions in 2017 was the largest ever, and they are really pushing for that $60 million barrier this next year, hopefully uh, to, to break that $60 million mark. We've talked about that a few times here on the podcast as well. All right, over to Lifeway. We had our trustees in-house and here in Nashville last week as well. Had a great meeting and uh, really unveiled a new stores initiative, more vertically integrated Lifeway. Uh, not all the details released on this. That so will be rolling out into the stores. So uh, keep an eye on your local Lifeway store. You'll see some changes coming around in there and just how your books are displayed and, and what books are in there. So uh, kind of keep on keep an eye on that. Uh, also heard some updates and elected a new vice president, Joe Walker. Uh, was yeah, nest, congratulations was to Joe. Yeah, I, do you, did you know Joe? You, you should have known Joe by you're here. Yeah. So yes. Joe has been serving as uh, the CFO, the acting CFO, uh, since Jerry Ryan retired in July of last year. And Joe has been elevated to the Senior Vice President of Finance and Business Services Division, as, long, as well as the Chief Financial Officer uh, a position was made permanent. Uh, so congratulations to Joe Walker. He's a, he's a pleasure to work with. I enjoy Joe. Uh, we have some great vice presidents at Lifeway that I get to work with. So uh, it's, it's uh, great to see all those guys and gals around Lifeway all the time. So we're excited to have Joe on the leadership team here at Lifeway. Excellent. That's great. All right. All right. Got some retirement news, Amy, in North Carolina. Yes. Uh, Frank Bonner of Gardner-Webb at University. He's been president now for a really long time. He's going to retire in January of 2019, so that'll be after 14 years as president, uh, but he's been there for a very long time. Yeah, so that's here in North years. Carolina. Yeah, yeah. So that's here in North Carolina in uh, Boiling Springs, very well known among North Carolina Baptists. So that's kind of a big deal. And that's not the only Carolina news for uh, kind of, you know, movement and placement of things. North Greenville's getting a new provost, Amy, and he's a friend of the pod. Yes, they are. So Nathan Finn, 
uh, who, friend of the pod and great friend of the Whitfields um, for a very, very long time, for uh, about 15 years or more. Uh, they've been in uh, Jackson, Tennessee. He's been Dean of the School of Theology and Mission at Union University. Uh, he's now going to be the new provost at North Greenville University. Yes. So congratulations, Dr. Finn. Uh, yes. And uh, we're really excited about that, headed over to North Greenville. I know he is as well. This is great news for North Greenville. It's We're much happier in this house, personally, uh, because that's about 30 minutes from Keith's parents, and so now we get a chance to see the Fens again. Yeah, you got place to, there's more people to visit when you go down to see Keith's parents, so that'll be exciting for you guys, yes. I know. So I, I know you yes. and uh, Leah have a long history of SBC nerddom together, so it'll be nice yes, for y'all to be do. close together again, I guess. All right, some more organizational changes. Midwestern, they've got a new Dean of Students, John Mark Yates. Uh, who has been the Dean of Midwestern College, will move into the Dean of Students role. Sam Birick will move into the role as Dean of the Midwestern College. And also, Rustin Umstadt will now oversee the Doctor of Educational Ministry program. So some some switch arounds over there at Midwestern. And uh, so congratulations to John Mark Yates and to Sam Birick, as well as Dr. Umstead for their new roles. All right, now, Amy, we got just a couple of little stories left here. Church compensation survey is underway. Uh, you can find out about that. You can help out with that as well. It just takes 10 minutes. Go to guidestone.org slash compensation survey and help out the Southern Baptist Convention with this compensation survey. Uh, it helps uh, LifeWay Research and Guidestone partner together with us every year to be able to provide accurate and, uh, you know, tables for compensation for ministers in the Southern Baptist Convention. So once again, that is guidestone.org slash compensation survey. All right. Now, finally, Amy, some heartwarming and heartbreaking news from Oklahoma. Amy, uh, Shane Hall, uh, who we've talked about here on the podcast and was one of your top Southern Baptists of 2017. Yes. Uh, is, uh, is been battling cancer for a long time got to baptize his daughter, his 10-year-old daughter, this past week. Oh, just an incredible, uh, incredible story. So uh, it has been reported just by his family that uh, they're at the stage where there's not really anything um, anything else that they're able to do uh, with uh, in, in his battle with cancer. So they are just, you know, he, he is staying comfortable when they're taking care of him. Um, but he did have this wonderful opportunity uh, to go and, and baptize his daughter, Mallory. There's a beautiful picture uh, in this Baptist press story that was posted this week um, of him, uh, along with the children's minister sort of uh, assisting there. And, and I know that was very special, but this story is just incredible just talking about um, how even at this difficult stage, he's just continuing uh, to worship and uh, to kind of focus his eyes on Christ, which is the message that we heard from him at the pastor's conference this past summer. Um, so uh, Shane Hall has been a huge inspiration and I've, I never met him personally. I just knew uh, from how others have spoken of him, his uh, leadership as an officer um, at, 
of the executive committee, um, his sermon, all of these things. And so he has just touched a lot of people, even those of us that have not met him. Um, but this is a, a, a tough, a tough situation, but a beautiful story. Yes, it is. And Amy, our, our thoughts and prayers out to the Hall family. Uh, it does mention in here that uh, they are expecting him to be in his last days and final days of his battle with stomach cancer. All right, Amy, that's going to move us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, floor minds. All right. So it was a, a lot of news this week, lots of just kind of major stuff. So I just wanted to, to try to find something a little bit fun. So I decided to go looking back in the archive of Tim Ellsworth's great work that uh, that we see uh, for Baptist Press. And, and we see it, it at different times. He works at Union University in their communications office. But we particularly see it um, every couple of years in the, the alternating in the summer and the winter when he shares reports from the Olympics. So I wanted to, since it's Winter Olympics time, I wanted to share an interesting story from 12 years ago from the 2006 Olympics. Uh, and this is really, really interesting. All right, so it's a story about um, Steve Sellers. He's a Southern Baptist pastor in Canada and uh, in, in a town uh, called Canmore that I actually visited this past, uh, that I actually visited last May in a lovely, wonderful little town kind of on the way to Banff and, and just really beautiful, not, not too far from Calgary. So he had been serving as a, a chaplain starting doing that in 1998. And uh, at, at that time in 2006, this year he was also serving as one of 10 chaplains that um, helped in the Olympic villages. But there was sort of a, a, a little twist that there was a um, Costa Rican cross-country skier. Uh, Amy, they, they don't have a lot of snow in Costa Rica to well, cross-country ski in. This is, we, all of us who know about the Jamaican bobsledding team should, that this is this Don't is have a lot a of ice story. in Jamaica either. This is not a new story. It's the same type of thing. Um, one, so so Costa Rica has a cross country skiing team, and and it goes all the way back to 1980. So they this was even before the Jamaican bobsled team. Well, so that year um, they only had one one person, Arturo Kinch, and Steve Sellers. Someone got him sort of in touch with Arturo Kinch. And Steve Sellers was serving as his coach. So he had come to, um, uh, Kinch had come to Calgary in 2002 uh, near Canmore for a competition. And a mutual friend uh, connected them. They became friends. And Arturo Kinch, he was the son of a missionary couple in Costa Rica. Um, it says his main sport was soccer, but he went out for the ski team to get in shape. Um, and this, the, this 2006 Olympics in Turin was his fifth Winter Olympics as a cross-country skier. and um, But this uh, Southern Baptist pastor from Canmore, Canada, was serving as his coach. And I thought, well, that is just kind of interesting. Um, out of the blue, I didn't, I didn't, at every point, I didn't expect that. The uh, From the Costa Rican cross-country skiing team all the way to this, uh, as this, all the way to this pastor serving as a chaplain and as a coach uh, 
all at once. So um, tremendous, tremendous service on his part over many years, uh, but a really cool story. So just as we are um, watching Winter Olympics right now and uh, enjoying some of what's going on, uh, they were doing the same thing, um, particularly this pastor 12 years ago this week in SBC history. All right. I got a question for Amy. All right. If you were going to do one Winter Olympic sport, what would it be? If I were going to do one? Not which one you're good at, but like if you could do one, which one would you do? I don't know because I'm so bad at winter sports. I I would love, there's no way I would do the luge, but I think I would enjoy the bobsled. See, I'm the same way. Team bobsled right there. Yes. I think I would enjoy bobsled. If they ever have mixed bobsled, we should go. I don't yes. think they have mixed bobsled. They may have mixed bobsled. I uh, I think that's what I would like. I'm terrible at ice skating and don't totally enjoy it because I feel really off balance. Um, so I've never been skating or skiing. Yeah, I've never been skiing. I- I'm probably too old to try to learn because it probably wouldn't work out too well for me at this point in my life. And after the scooter incident of 2017, I don't think my wife's going to let me get anywhere near a set of skis. So... Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day, really hoping for an SBC this year where you don't have a sling. Yes, me too. I, yeah. I am too. I, I am I am taking every precaution, as in not getting on a scooter anymore. So, right. Uh, including Dr. Rainers at the office. But Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. My resource of the week is Shane Hall's sermon at the SBC Pastors Conference this year. Since we are uh, talking about Pastors Conference roster announced today, and Shane Hall uh, baptizing his daughter. I'm going to make his sermon at the Pastors Conference my resource of the week. Your resource of the week, Amy, is? Uh, it's a new album by Andrew Peterson. Oh, yes. I got to get this. Um, I got to get this. Yes. There's so, two albums out right now I need to get. That and the new Sandra McCracken. Yes. So several years back, um, he released an album called Resurrection Letters Volume 2. Um, there was not a Volume 1. And uh, so it was really focusing on um, just kind of Easter time, Easter focus has been an album I have loved and loved for years. Yeah, it's my favorite. Other than Behold the Lamb of God, it's my favorite Andrew Peterson album. Yeah. And interestingly enough, so I somehow stumbled onto that album and then I began reading, you know, some writings at the rabbit room because a friend had recommended that to me, did not realize it was the same person, like didn't, didn't know that never caught that this album I was listening to was connected with, you know, the, the website. So it took a little while for that, but I just, I just love it and listen to it every year at Easter. Um, so then he announced that he was going to do another Easter album, Resurrection Letters Volume 1, um, but but decided to kind of tack one on, and it's just Resurrection Letters Prologue, and it really focuses on um, Holy Week. So it focuses kind of on the, um, on the uh, crucifixion and uh, those things, whereas the, the next, the, the album that's going to come out in a few weeks around Easter will focus specifically on victory of the resurrection. So this is a short album, Resurrection Letters Prologue. It's, um, it's $5, just a few songs. So I'm going to share the link to the Rabbit Room store where you can get that as a download or a CD. Um, and I'm sure I'll be coming back with uh, the next album when it releases in a few weeks as well. Yes, uh, I'm sure you will. And, and probably the Sandra McCracken too. Uh, speaking of the cool music that you dig, 
Uh, you got to tell us about your, your little fun experience this week at Southeastern. Oh my goodness. This was incredible. So, um, Southeastern was host uh, on the the tour that Drew and Ellie Holcomb are doing uh, this the this month, and um, really incredible. So I've listened to Ellie Holcomb for a few years. She has sort of a, a solo career, and then Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors um, as well. And I've really appreciated their music. I've seen, um, we've seen a few concerts of Drew Holcomb and the neighbors before. And then a couple of times I've seen Ellie play in other people's concerts, like one song or two. Um, but this was kind of a, a different type of tour that they're doing. Just the two of them paired down just, you know, each with their guitars. I think she was on the mandolin a little bit and it was, it was really incredible. They are just so talented. Um, and they, they are, they do so well together up there. Uh, but then kind of with the added, um, the added bonus of it being here at Southeastern, it was just great. Um, I've never been on the front row for a concert before. And so just getting to be that close and to, to hear the music so well, to see their interaction with one another, it was an incredible experience. But really, truth be told, one of my favorite concerts ever, not just because it was here, uh, but just in, anywhere. It, it was amazing and packed out house, like 1,200 people. That's here. very cool. It was, it was awesome. That's so cool. I saw your pictures from that and I was like, how in the world did y'all pull that off? But that, that's so awesome. And I know you've got another big weekend this weekend because you got the Go Conference this weekend. So yes. I got some friends that are headed to that, and uh, so it that should be a good another good weekend. And it, a lot of go, a lot of things going on the Southern Baptist uh, seminaries. I, I watched some videos from the Ready Conference that was at Midwestern a couple weeks ago. Uh, so that one uh, I saw that one. I know they've got another Nine Marks Conference I think coming on up there. I know you've got one in the spring and. Stuff going on at Southern as well. So a, a lot of stuff going on at these seminary campuses. Very busy. So uh, very busy as well as the news in the SBC. So speaking of news in the SBC, executive committee next week. Follow us on Twitter. We'll be giving you all the highlights and everything for that. So uh, those are mid-year updates, CP program committee meetings. Uh, we can't tweet from the committee meetings, uh, like details and stuff, because that's that's the rules. Then there's the rules. Uh, but uh, we will give you all the plenary information. Uh, that we can and uh, any overview rule or any overview news that we can as well. So follow us on Twitter at SBC this week and stay up to date on everything that we have in the SBC. And that'll do it for us this week. We'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>